0: We are talking today about endurance, enduring hardship, uh, and um, we are following our series uh, on First and Second Timothy, uh, which is really sort of Paul's kind of key words to Timothy uh, as he was kind of finishing this race, Paul's race, really, particularly in the, the second book uh, to Timothy. So here we go. Um, The year was 1914 and the South Pole had already been conquered a few years earlier by Admanson. However, Ernest Shackleton decided to sail his ship Endeavour to one side of Antarctica and cross the 1,800 miles of the continent with a team of 28 men. Soon after entering the Weddell Sea, the ship became hopelessly trapped in pack ice and they decided to wait out the winter in the ice. Mike Betts, who we just saw there on the kind of video, just looks like he was part of this. (laughs) He was actually there at the time, doesn't he? Uh, I just just thought that as I saw it. Uh, (coughs) It... (coughs) Uh, Hopefully, he's warmed up a bit by the time he comes in May. Um, In October 1915, the ship became so squeezed by the ice that Shackleton gave the order to abandon ship. Finally, the ship sank in November, and the ice flows uh, they were living on fragmented. The crew had no other choice than to board lifeboats. A week later, they landed on Elephant Island, but the nearest habitation was 950 miles away. Leaving the others behind, Shackleton took a crew of five with a month's provisions to try and make it to the whale station. For 14 grueling days, the men endured gale-force winds, monstrous waves, and a constant soaking of freezing spray, and they landed on the north of the island, necessitating uh, them in trekking for 36 hours non-stop across the pack ice to reach human habitation. Three months later, they were able to get back to Elephant Island to pick up the remaining crew. For many of us, this is one of the first stories we think about when uh, we say, what is it like to endure? And we're thinking, there is a band of guys that was really enduring in very freezing conditions uh, and actually survived uh, amazingly. Maybe sort of bringing a bit more up to date um, in some of our lifetimes anyway, um, we have the kind of story... Of Ma- Nelson Mandela um, spending 27 years in prison at the hands of apartheid government basically because he opposed their prejudicial racial regime if that wasn't amazing in itself the really key thing was that he didn't let his heart get hardened by it. And what is the amazing thing that is in our lifetime is that he then, when he was released, worked hard building bridges, ensuring a peaceful transition to a new South Africa. He endured unjust hardship, and yet he didn't let his heart get bitter and that is quite an amazing thing. So it's not just enduring hardship and just ending up as some twisted bitter person. It's actually enduring hardship and actually being grace-filled and generous is just a wonderful trait. And Paul is talking about this to Timothy and we're going to uh, come into the scripture now. So 2 Timothy Four, five, and I really want to see this as the kind of key passage this morning. We're going to be looking at this at the end in sort of a lot more detail, but uh, we're going to kick off here right at the sort of end of Second Timothy, um, and he says, "But you keep your head in all situations, or in some translations, um, be sober in all things, um, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge." All the duties of your ministry. We also see a little bit earlier uh, in 2 Timothy. He says, join with me in suffering. He's talking to Timothy again, remember. Uh, Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Verse 10. therefore, I endure everything for the sake of of the elect, which you've already heard about this morning, uh, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul saying, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, those that are called by God. I think that it, Paul often seems to draw on these kind of soldier analogies. We can say, well, why is that? Why does he, Why do we often seem to pick up these soldiers? Well, no, well, one of the reasons, kind of obvious reasons, is that you know he was probably staring at a soldier for you know twenty-four hours a day. Uh, he was chained at this time, uh, and he had a, a soldier guarding him. Um, what was he talking about? <laughs> you know, and he was maybe saying, well, t- tell me about your life. Tell me about what it's like. Tell me, you know, stories about what goes on for you. Um, And so he was hearing about enduring of hardship. And in many ways, being a soldier for Christ fits really well together with the kind of enduring hardship theme. It's not obviously the only sort of analogy we get. Uh, that Paul uses or others use, we get other analogies like being a farmer or being like a nursing mother or a father or a fisherman or a builder or a child. They're, they're all very valid roles and we actually have, they're, they're used in Scripture. But today we're zooming in on this advice to Timothy and uh, we're looking at this whole thing of what it's like to be a soldier. Do you feel like God's called you to be a soldier for Christ. What does that mean in your life? Some, some of you here have been soldiers, yeah? actually been out on the line, actually understand what that's like. I think that in our Christian life and particularly as as leaders, you'll be Attacked, maligned, humiliated, maybe imprisoned, unfairly persecuted, and probably in the end killed. But Paul's point is don't get bitter. Don't get bitter, Timothy. Suffer it with a robust faith and good grace for the sake of Christ. We are soldiers after all. And it came with a job description you know, don't don't be surprised at gosh this is tough there's some tough things do you find there are tough things that you're facing tough things that actually you you <laughs> and it's one thing to face tough things just for a very short period of time what's a lot harder is actually the enduring length of it and i and i, I we we I'd be, i wouldn't be doing it justice if actually I wasn't bringing that point out. This is kind of like an enduring, a long-term kind of putting up with pain and difficulty and uncomfortable situation. That I don't like this. (laughs) I don't want this to go on any longer. And Paul's saying, yeah, it kind of came with the job description. When you said, yes, I want to be a Christian. Yes, I want to follow Christ. Let's just kind of make sure we remember Christ and how actually he modelled this so well is that he modelled what it was like to take all these things and actually come through and to win through and Paul's doing the same he's he's not saying to Timothy you need to just toughen up son (laughs) and without actually saying you know what just remember what's been going on in my life remember how I've actually suffered some stuff so he's actually modeling it himself. And I think, you know, when we do face difficulty, and many of us here, if I was just to kind of do a poll, you say, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm, I am dealing with something which I've been dealing with quite a long time. And I don't talk loads about it, but actually, yes, you're right, Matthew. This is something which I'm dealing with. And I'm kind of living with. And I'm kind of, I'm on this journey then you're in good company, because Paul's saying this is what it, this is what it's one of the things it's really about, and we mustn't be wimps. We mustn't kind of just try and kind of check out uh, because oh, I just didn't realize it was going to cost this. Oh, it's just too much for me. He's saying that no, you've got to you got to stick in there, Timothy. You've got to you got to hack it out. You've got to you've got to be somebody who actually has got some toughness to him. Let's pick it up what he's saying. Um, 2 Timothy 3, he was talking about what he'd suffered. And he says, I suffered perseverance and persecutions and sufferings. Such as happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord rescued me. He's, he's, He's using his own testimony to actually remind Timothy. These are some of the things... That I went through, Timothy. This is part of the deal. We're well aware of the passage in Second Corinthians 11. <clears throat> and he, talks, he gives an even a longer list of imprisonments and beaten at times without number often in danger of death five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day I've spent in the deep I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers and dangers from robbers dangers from countrymen dangers from Gentiles dangers in the city dangers in the wilderness dangers in the sea dangers among the brethren I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst often without food in cold And exposure apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of the concern for all the churches. This was someone who knew what he was saying. He wasn't just, it wasn't just rhetoric. It was, I have experienced this, I know what I'm talking about. Welcome to (laughs) this army that we are part of, this army of Christ that is going to take the world. I often say to people that, as Christ followers, we need to be soft-hearted, but outwardly have skins like rhinos. <laughs> there is a toughness that is required. There is a toughness. There is the kind of not falling at the first hurdle toughness, uh, not just to give up quickly because of a bit of difficulty. And there's, that, I think, is something that is worked out in our lives as we grow more mature in Christ, I think that's one of the things that actually God starts to use and strengthen in us. Talk to anybody over the age of 40, and you will hear. And many of you are facing it at a younger age, you know. But it's part of God maturing you to actually saying, This is this is the deal. I'm maturing you, I'm making you more like Jesus. I know that sometimes when we read that passage, particularly the the Corinthian one. We we can find it a little bit hard to relate to. It sometimes feels a little too extreme for us to apply to ourselves. The issue is that many of us are called actually to endure maybe some long term illness without letting it causing you to give up or to throw it in the towel. I know that um, you know even. My wife, Anne, you know, they're just dealing with just things like back pain and foot pain. It doesn't sound much. And she doesn't talk to me about it that often. But actually, I know that it, it's a kind of ongoing thing that actually she deals with on a daily basis. And many of you will have suffered similar or much worse pain on a long-term basis. I'm still moved by the story of uh, Joni Erickson tard If you've never heard of her, she's worth uh, looking up and finding out more about. She grew up in America, loving to ride horses, swim, uh, play tennis. At the age of 18, in 1967, she dived into a lake with friends, not realizing how shallow it was, and ended up severely damaging her spinal cord. And since that time, she has been quadriplegic, in a wheelchair. In the early days, she talks about how she battled depression and even considered suicide several times. However, she went on to persevere through this and has written over 48 Christian books, had numerous TV appearances, uh, and is a well-known campaigner for Christian rights in the USA. She's still alive. She's still going on. She's still, you know, and she's a, a woman who can say, wow, that is kind of like, it's an amazing thing that you didn't get all bitter and twisted about what happened, but actually you just, you, you carried on. Uh, there's something wonderful about it. Or maybe you're actually just putting up with a lot of kind of snide remarks at work for years colleagues are just kind of making these little digs, little digs, little digs just go on and on and on yet again. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes, I am a Christian. Yes, yes, it's an easy joke. Yeah, and so you can, and you're putting up with that thing that's just "nit,,,," nit nee nee and just kind of going on. Uh, and it's far easier just to blend in with the crowd, just to compromise for the sake of an easy life maybe it even kind of affects promotions and everything. But Paul says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everyone. Everyone. I don't want you to be surprised or say, "Uh, I didn't sign up for this. Paul's saying, no, no, this is the deal. There is... I think it's important that we don't sit in judgment at what constitutes proper, inverted commas, suffering. Um, we don't actually know what somebody else is dealing with. So you can, oh, come on, that's not really very much. And actually, we don't know what else is going on there. We don't understand the backstory at all, or other things that, are face, that they're facing. So what we get is Paul's not sort of saying, these are the proper things that constitute suffering or enduring hardship. He's just saying... Don't let the pressures, Timothy, on you cause you to throw in the towel, to use a kind of boxing analogy. you know. So actually, there are things that for each one of us, God knows what it is we're facing. Do you know that? Do you know God knows what you're facing? He sees those things. He sees that difficulty. And he understands it. And he's there and he's... He's commending you on. He's saying, don't, don't give up now. You know, there's, a, there's victory to be won. You need to stay in. You need to plug in. You need to think, actually, God, I'm looking at the goal, the prize that is mine in Christ Jesus. And secondly, what we see is that others who were running well with Paul fell away, or it seems they did. And we pick this up in uh, one fifteen. So he says, 2 Timothy 1.15, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phygelus and Hermogenes. I had to practice that this morning. Uh, <laughs> Easier for these group guys, I think. So so he's saying to Timothy, sort of in contrast. You know, actually, there is a point where some people, just because of the difficulty, just decided they couldn't pay the long-term price. Um, I feel a little bit sorry for them, these guys. You know, I'm thinking. You know, just imagine heaven, you know. Oh, hi, and um, what are you called? Oh, I'm I'm homogenes. Oh, you're the guy who kind of, like, quit out on, you know. I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, okay, yes, I was, you know. And <coughs> and, and this guy over here, unless it's uh, for us, gets a glowing mention as someone who's not ashamed of Paul's chains. So, you know, we get a kind of contrast again Um the point being that actually, um, Paul's saying to Timothy, you know, actually keep in there. You know, don't, don't just kind of decide you can't take it anymore. I think often... It's a lot easier to do the one-off exploits, isn't it? The sort of great flash-in-the-pan events that kind of, you know, we, we, oh, wow, wasn't that amazing? You did, that was just... It, it, but it's a short-term thing. It's a lot easier to pull off a short-term thing than it is to actually endure the long-term, unseen, kind of doing behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, I'm, I'm thinking now about all the, the carers, those that are putting up with daily unpleasant chores and that's including parents Okay, that we'd all rather avoid and pretend didn't exist I think sometimes that God tests us out by giving us time delays and long term hardship it's part of what he uses to kind of grow patience in us as a child doing the same thing for more than an hour um, is often Almost impossible, except for sleep and watching TV or something. Um, But it's what matures us. Endurance is the great sorter-outer. It sorts genuine faith from cheap rhetoric. It sorts real friendships from those that are just trying to impress. It sorts the hardened Christ follower from the here-today-gone-tomorrow crowd-pleasers. Yeah, I want to I go back now to that verse that we looked at earlier on um, and these four imperatives that we see that Paul gives Timothy and I think these four points are as true today uh, as they were then so let's read the verse again But you, keep your head, put yourself, put your name in there. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge all the duties of your ministry. We're going to look at each of those sort of four points. Keep your head... In all situations, be sober in all things. Don't get taken in or fooled by the hype. We live in a world that easily whips up to a frenzy, an impressionable crowd. Why? Well, because partly it sells newspapers and um, people tune into that channel. So it's easy to kind of whip up that thing. It's very easy as a leader to listen to the supposed groundswell of opinion that can make us jump when we should be standing our ground and standing firm. Keeping our head is absolutely vital. Staying calm, not overreacting, thinking things through in an ordered way without becoming emotionally pressurised is a true sign of maturity. So we actually need to just stay calm and... This is happening. That's happening. What's happening? What? What are we going to do? How's this going to happen? Oh my goodness! This is. What's the finances? You know. Da, da da da. What about this person? what's happening here? It's like you just need calmness. You just need. Okay, look, we're just going to take this. We're going to trust in God. and We're going to stay calm, and we're not going to get pressurized. We're not going to get panicky. We're actually going to think through a clear action plan. It's something we desperately need to see right now with all the changes that are going on in the nation and worldwide. Paul is saying to his protege, don't let it get to you. Don't get rattled by the false teachers, the character assassinations, the temptation to just cut and run. How do you stay calm? I was, uh, Anne and I, a few years ago, and I'd really recommend it if you do get the opportunity, is uh, in London. We went to see the, um, the Churchill war rooms, okay, which you actually see the very bed where Churchill slept uh, during the whole kind of blitz that was kind of going on um, and the kind of overnight campaigns and he would sort of You know, he would have late-night meetings, then crash out. Um, And then in the morning, he'd bring his aide over, and uh, his first comment was, so what were our losses? What were our losses overnight? And if it was bad news, do you know what he did? He rolled over and went back to sleep. (laughs) And it just, it, it affected me, it just... You think, my goodness, you know, you are kind of in charge of the whole of the British Armed Forces. All these hundreds of thousands of people that could be killed. And if it was bad news, instead of worrying and getting all fretty about it, you simply just thought, well, I'm going to need a bit more sleep today. (laughs) You know, I'm just going to stay calm. And I'm going to, I just thought, what a wonderful way to lead. And he just, he just. Churchill was just a great example of somebody who kept his head uh, and didn't panic. And that's what we needed. We needed clear decision-making of actually how we were going to win the war. So I think this whole thing of whether, whatever you're leading, okay, whether it's your family or a work situation or a church or a small group or whatever it is, Actually, you need to stay calm and keep your head. Stay sober in that. That's, that's really not to do with drinking. That's to do with, in this context, it's actually staying with a sort of clarity uh, and actually kind of work that through. And God really wants that. And then secondly, we see enduring hardship. We spend, obviously, most of our time on this point, but... Uh, God will help you sustain, sustain the pressure, the pain, the cold. The, that, that's particularly in there for the Nigerians, by the way, uh, who <laughs> I just know find it so hard. We're, t- we're getting on to summer now, so it's, it's a lot better. You know, We're just getting up to your winter sort of period. But, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, obviously, Paul mentioned cold as well, which is interesting. Uh, so the pressure, the pain, the cold, the difficult physical circumstances... We need to be experts at drawing on his grace. It's interesting that Paul uses his own difficulties to help to be an example to Timothy in this. He wasn't telling him just to be like this, but actually I've been through this, follow me. Just remember Hebrews 12, uh, where actually we're looking at Christ and remembering him. Let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured for sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And I think that is such an important point point that also is there that actually why do we need to endure hardship so that we don't get weary and faint-hearted I think that we can look at in Jesus's life we can often remember some of the mighty miracles that he did turning water into wine healings uh, walking on water raising the dead multiplying food but it is well balanced out with actually a catalogue of the difficulties that he suffered that enables us, as we look at him, to not give up or have faint hearts, but to relentlessly march on towards the prize that awaits us. Yes. Thirdly, in this list, there is do the work of an evangelist. Don't let all the accusations and the false teachers, the humiliations, stop you from proclaiming the word of God. Your job is to continue to preach the gospel, the good news about Christ, and the futility of life without him. I find this an interesting that actually it's a lot easier at work to just coast along and to keep our views to ourselves. Nobody's going to get offended if we just... you, You go to church, great, I'm sure it's really good for you. It's only as we start to say, yeah, but actually, I do believe that Jesus isn't just good for me, I think he's good for you, and you really need him. Without him actually your life is completely meaningless. I think, the, the, it's, as I think about this, it's interesting that he raises the point of evangelist. It's actually, the, there's only three places that the word's used in the Bible, and this is one of them. And he could have said, you know, endure hardship, concentrate on worship, or social action, or make sure that you... Keep participating in the gifts. But he actually says, make sure that you stay as an evangelist. And there's something important about saying, make sure that you actually stay talking about who Jesus is, and to people who don't know him. Yeah. And I thought that was just interesting that he raises that. Out of all the things, he actually brings that out and saying, endure hardship. Make sure you don't let go of this point, that you actually keep preaching the gospel. And I think, just as I was kind of looking at it even this morning, I just felt God kind of want to emphasize that for us. That actually, you know, make sure that you keep talking about the gospel and who Christ is and what it is for others okay we're not we don't want to just be a bubble where we're just kind of keeping it to ourselves we're actually we're here to actually bring the good news to others yeah what the world wants is us to shut up and just to keep it to ourselves don't mind what we doing here just don't bring it out there <laughs> you know, actually no no make sure that we keep bringing it out make sure we keep telling others about Christ and finally, the fourth point is to discharge all the duties of your ministry or fulfill your ministry. Paul is drawing to an end of his ministry. He knows he hasn't got long. He knows actually this is the end of his, his part. That actually he has, uh, as he says in verse 16, he says, I've been poured out as a drink offering. It's kind of like, you know got the top on uh, it's gonna I'm poured out and the time of my departure has come Paul knows where he's at he knows where he's on in terms of yeah no I've i fulfilled what God's given me to do but Timothy I'm urgently admonishing you to complete the course Maybe we can get the band up I'm nearly finished He's saying, I want you to run well. To be the leader that God's called you to be. Not to give up. Not to choose just an easier life. And I love the word, kind of discharge all the duties of your ministry. It kind of, one of my early jobs. You didn't know this probably. One of my earliest jobs, probably it was my earliest job, <clears throat> was I worked... Shooting clay pigeons. Do you know what a clay pigeon is? Those' kind of kind of discs that people with shotguns kind of shoot down and kind of practice on, and they kind of shot up into the sky, and you kind of shoot them. <clears throat> and one of the important things that I had to know as a uh, 16-year-old <laughs> was making sure that the double-barreled shotgun had discharged <clears throat> all its rounds. And that it actually was cracked open, and that you actually were looking down, you were making sure there was nothing in there, there was nothing that might go off suddenly. And actually, that was part of it. And you learn to have a healthy respect of guns. And there was a sense that there's a discharging of all your duties. There's a sense that actually we have, uh, we've run well, and dis- Paul's really saying, I've discharged all my duties. Planted churches. I've preached the gospel. I've discipled. I've taken the hard hits, but I've run well. I know I've run well. But Timothy, I'm now handing over this baton to you, and I'm saying, run well, mate. Don't don't give up. Don't give up with the you know difficulties and persecutions. Stay it out because God's got purposes. And I want to say that to you this morning. God's got purposes. God's got purposes in your life. He's got things that he still has got for you to do, to accomplish for him. We heard earlier that one of the ways that helps stir us to, well, what purposes, is the next question. What purposes? What what has he got for me? And one of the ways that we actually help that is by going to Uh, having our Chosen for Purpose. What is my purpose? Well, come to the Chosen for Purpose conference on the 20th of May. It's just for one day, just for a Saturday. Make sure you sign up for that. It is great having Mike Betts, even if he was in the South Pole, (laughs) actually coming and discharging what God's doing for him across, not only the UK, but across the world. And bringing some of that, I'm really looking forward to hearing him. He is a fantastic speaker. Heard him many times before. He's a really good guy. Uh, And and those others, let's get stirred about what God's purposes are. Let's make sure that as a church, we discharge everything that God's given us to do. Amen? Let's stand up and worship God.